0: Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambudasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama Sambudasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambhu dasa. Buddhang sankhang namasami. Very good. So as we get into the uh, second week of our retreat here, uh, hopefully that things have settled down even more. Uh, any old projects and stuff have been uh, completed and you're having more free time. You say free time, but sometimes uh, the mind is not free from the defilements and they still have either tiredness or restlessness or dullness which happen and uh, today I wanted to talk about some of those hindrances and how they were overcome. And especially, you know, first of all, that just to get the meditation to start biting, just this little word that the, the mind starts to settle down on its meditation object, you start to get some peace coming up, you are able to watch the breathing, you are able to do walking meditation and notice the sensations in the feet, Now you start to get still and peaceful and the meditation starts to satisfy you. And of course, when the meditation is not satisfying you, it means that you'll go off looking for other distractions or you'll go off, you know, fantasizing or sleeping a lot or talking a lot. All of those um, distractions are something which we call hindrances. And instead of just talking about five hindrances, like the Buddha did, you know, we're trying to get uh, (coughs) apply, you know, that sort of little method to your day-to-day problems in meditation. And one of the things which I said last week, which I'm going to reinforce today, is that sometimes it just takes a little bit of endurance, you know, which is part of our path, just basically to stand one's ground and just to allow the mind to settle down. Because it does take a while before the mind starts to become still, and once it becomes still, to the energies to start to build up in the mind. I do like the, the paradigm of energies in the mind. And i uh, saying to a few people today and yesterday in the interviews, the interviews not only give me a chance uh, to give you some personal instructions, but also to, you know, to get to understand where some of you are at, where the community is at with its meditation. And uh sometimes that when you start doing some samatha meditation, just calming the mind down, people do get into some dullness sometimes. Yes, they're peaceful, but it hasn't got the energy, the oomph, you know, which you can recognise when it gets very strong as the Piti Sukha. You know, it's calming things down but it hasn't really energized yet. And of course one of the most important things which uh you know is just patience. It will come, it has to come. Simply understanding the way the mind works, the energy comes from stillness. This is um, Ajahn Chah's great teaching, which is not emphasized enough. If you want to have a strong body, exercise it. If you want to have a strong mind, keep it still. I remember him saying that. and It was one of those little sayings you took for granted, but which these days people just forget. They they have the idea that if you want to have a strong brain, keep exercising it, doing uh, thinking, philosophizing, doing projects, dokos or kakus, whatever you do, but that is actually wasting energy. Keeping it still builds up the energy and builds up its strength. And so remember just, you know, for the body, you know, you've been working hard or traveling a lot, it gets tired. The body recovers pretty quickly. But the mind takes a while to recover from all the thinking, from all the fantasizing, from all the dreaming, from all of that activity of the brain. It's tired. And it's not just bodily tiredness. Bodily tiredness just causes the physical sicknesses. But it's the mental tiredness, the lack of mental energy, causes defilements such as anger. Anger is just usually coming just from. <laughs> From uh, tiredness of the brain, of the mind, sorry. It's just the grumpiness, you know, the fault finding, because you haven't got the energy, the happiness inside the mind. So, you know, a weak mind tends to have um, um, anger. And because it's suffering, it tries to escape with either doing projects or reading or getting on the computer or whatever, or into fantasies. It's just what's <coughs> escape from the suffering of a, of a weak mind. And of course, once the mind does get strong, your meditation really starts to, to bite, as I keep saying, you start to get uh, easy to watch the breath, you like meditation, there's happiness there, and the joy comes up in meditation, your mind becomes energized and strong, then that strength of mind, it means you don't need those uh, escapes anymore. The mind is happy, it's content, it's happy just being here. It just disinclines from activity. It just doesn't want to go thinking about the future and all the plans or worrying about the past and who did what to who. That's just that's a waste of time. It's just You're not interested anymore. And even the fantasies, they just what are you doing that for? You have more fun being still because now the mind is strong. But the problem, of course, is how to get to that point. And that's really the hard work of meditation. It does take some endurance. It will happen anyway. You'll get to those peaceful states of mind if you hang in there because the less you do, the more the energy goes into the mindfulness, the awareness. You wake up. You see what's going on. You see the stupid things you do. So you restrain from doing those things and you become even more peaceful, more still, more energy comes into mindfulness. You wake up. You become happy. It's the Pity sukha, which comes from stillness. So remember that. Just keep as still as you possibly can. Don't disturb things. Endure. If it's unpleasant, just bear with it. And if you can bear with it and don't do anything, do as little as you possibly can. Keep everything still. Stop reacting. The demon who comes in the emperor's palace, you say, get out of here, you don't belong The demon gets an inch bigger, uglier, smellier, more offensive. That old simile. But if you just welcome things, let them be, then you find they diminish. They get less and less until they totally disappear. Beautiful way of dealing with the problems in meditation using the simile of the monster who came into the emperor's palace. If you don't know that one, I don't know where you've been in the last ten years. But... (laughs) So that's a great simile which actually works. And it just gets back into that idea of being still. So one of the problems people have, again, I was mentioning this earlier, people like tend to fantasize or they get into books or they get into just uh, activities. Now one of the things is, yes, you do get energized that way. But when you do get energized, you get a bit of happiness, you know, remembering old music or, you know, uh, Reading a novel or getting into some sexual fantasy, yeah, you do get energized. But <coughs> when the Buddha des- described that hindrance, which is examples of karma chanda, you know the uh, the first hindrance, he said that's like going into debt. And that was a very beautiful simile, which I really took on board, and just examined and got really deeply into. And you see how accurate that is and how you can draw many, many more um, things from that simile. When you go into debt, you're borrowing money, and you always have to pay it back with interest. And so what you're actually doing with a sexual fantasy, with planning, with activities and stuff, you're actually borrowing happiness. It does make you feel good. You now, if you've got a nice novel to read, it's fun to do. Or you know you 've got something on your iPad or something which is you now enjoyable to watch, yes, it does give you a boost of energy, but it 's borrowed happiness, and you have to pay it back afterwards and when you do pay it back it 's with interest it 's harder for you to get the pure energy of meditation, so that is one of the reasons why you know you have to just do the hard work of restraining the mind to say no to these things. Because when you say no to them, you restrain them. Yeah, it's tough work, you know, it's dull, you haven't got much going on in their head, it's just boring. But you are building up the energies, you're paying off your debts, which is always hard to do. Many of you, before you became monks or nuns, sometimes you had debts and so you went to work doing all sorts of jobs to pay off those debts. And it's wonderful to see what people do to pay off their debts, but once the debts are paid off, you know, you're free. You don't owe anything to the past. And this is like meditation. Yes, you do have to bear with the restraint part of monastic life. And you bear with that because it is paying off debts. And after a while, you know, you, you'd owe nothing to sensuality. And your happiness is your own. It's free. Which means that you can meditate. And you can sort of just sit there and happiness comes up. You don't get so dull when you meditate. So those of you who are meditating, yeah you're getting peaceful. There's nothing much going on, but there's no nimitas yet, no piti sukha, you're dull. That's one of the reasons. You're still paying off debts of happiness. Because you've been indulging in sensuality. You know, I'm not quite sure what you do, but you can't control that in a monastery, you know, sometimes people think an abbot has Full control over everything, and can tell people what to do, and and read people's minds, and just somebody came up to me, I think yesterday, about being afraid I was reading their mind. Look, I've got better things to do <laughs> than read your mind. Okay, <laughs> so don't be afraid. So a lot of times, sort of, you know, we have those mind states, and we have to just understand them ourselves understands we are wasting time. We are just spending energy and we're stopping. We're actually uh, going on the wrong path. So the times when the meditation's gonna become peaceful and happy, you're putting them back. So you have this great opportunity now, three whole months and there's no burden on you at all. So this and you've got great opportunities. This is actually the time just to do a little bit of insurance. Those people out there in the world they go to work it's you know, it's enduring to make money for their family offer themselves. <coughs> no one likes to go to work in the morning At least very few people like going to work and that's why when they have a time on holidays they don't go to work at all. they go off elsewhere wherever it is running away overseas or whatever. But as for us, you know that uh, you know at least we can enjoy a little bit. So that when we're sitting there and it's not working yet, just keep on sitting. Bear with it. It works. Hopefully you have enough faith in the Buddha's teachings. And I'm not my teachings, these are the Buddha's teachings. Stay there, restrain the senses. And it's not just outside sense. Restrain the mind as well. Keep it in the moment. Bear with it. Soon the meditation will start to bite. And if it is unpleasant for you, you know, because you're bored, you're sitting here, how many more hours I've got to sit here, rah, 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 rah. please remember that beautiful teaching, and just make peace with this, be kind, be gentle. Because any boredom, any sort of um, unpleasantness in the meditation, whether it's, you know, the the body is aching, or the mind doesn't know what to do, remember, just make peace, be kind, be gentle. And when you get the skill of that, that's the skill of having learning how to endure anything in life. Yeah, we all do have pains and aches. We have disappointments. We have things which happen to us which sometimes we think shouldn't have happened to us. But what we can do with that, that's the result of old karma. This is the old karma, the ingredients we have to deal with today. And as I keep on saying, I said this in Melbourne recently when someone asked me about that law of karma, that simile of the... um, the two people baking a cake, you know, that's a very good simile. And there was a, when I came back from Thailand reading the newspaper on the aircraft, there was, that's right, um, a celebrity chef, and I thought it was Jamie Oliver, but someone corrected me, it was Gordon Ramsay, apparently in Singapore. And uh, he had a competition with the Hawkers in Singapore who could make the best dishes. And this is not like a celebrity chef with these uh, hawkers in the, the food courts or whatever in Singapore. And I think the hawkers won four out of five dishes. And it just shows that simile which I did. It's not the ingredients which you have, it's the skill you put them together with. That's the karma. So yeah, you've got this painful, dull, nothing's happening sort of meditation. That's the result of the old karma. You have to bear with that. And what are you doing with that? How can you bear with that without negativity? You just make peace. And you have this beautiful compassion, Its ability to open the door of your heart to anything. Yeah, anyone can be compassionate to people you like. I can be so compassionate to fish and chips and mushy peas. But it's, can I be compassionate to Sri Lankan curry or whatever else I don't like? You know, of course, you can understand what I'm talking about There, Sometimes you just have to endure these things. They have to take it. So this is actually where we learn just how to make peace with things and open the door of your heart to them. And, you know, sometimes I say the 70% rule. 30% you know of life is going to be very difficult. That's where we learn from. That's See. Stepping in the, the dog shit simile, you know, just, it, this happens, but make use of it. Don't sort of get negative towards it. And if we, you know, that's a digging under the mango tree story. Mm. And if you learn how to endure these things with kindness and with gentleness, you, know, you find you're making good meditation karma. It's how you react. And you know, hopefully, you have enough trust and faith in the Buddha's teachings, especially in the law of karma. You put the causes in place. The effects must happen sooner or later. And the causes are making peace with this moment, being kind to this moment, being gentle with this moment. So when the meditation is (coughs) so-called not working, and you're dull, you're tired, you don't want to really be here, Please remember, just make peace with this moment. Be kind, be gentle. Even if it's unpleasant, you can still make peace. As otherwise, you know, what's the point of making peace with something which is pleasant? Anyone can do that. So make peace with the unpleasantness of meditation. Open the door of your heart you know, to when it's not going what you want uh, to happen. And be very gentle to yourself. Gentleness includes that beautiful forgiveness. Don't give yourself a hard time if you're sitting there, and nothing's working. So a lot of times you can see it's not what you are experiencing: restlessness, dullness. You can see animity. You can't see animity. Watching the breath, you can't even watch one breath. That is not important. What is important is how you're watching this moment. If you can see the uh, see a breath, that's a result of our past karma. But what are you doing with this breath? Or the lack of watching the breath? What are you doing with that right now? You can always make peace with it. You can be kind, you can be gentle. Or the other simile, which is basic Buddhism, but keep it to the basics and it's the most powerful teachings. If you are having a hard time in meditation, to endure it, just think, why is it hard? Why am I not enjoying this moment when I'm sitting down with my eyes closed? And it is because second noble truth. You want something, that means suffering. So it's not what you're experiencing, it's whether you want something or not. And so often in meditation, people just get the idea that meditation should be jhanas, or at least nimittas, or the very least of just being able to watch my breath and I can't even do that. Of course you can't do it yet. But you can just stop wanting things. You can do that anytime. Let go of wanting. Let go of just fighting and being so negative to this moment. You can do that. Anyone can do that at any moment with whatever state of body or mind. That's the brilliance of the Buddha's teachings. It doesn't matter if you're on your deathbed. You can still not want something. Not want anything, be totally content to be here. And you can find it, that can do that. And that becomes the path of meditation, the path of ending suffering. Which means meditation is no longer suffering for you. Meditation is like anything else. You may not have nimitta yet, you may not have you know, the beautiful breath, but you don't want anything. You're at peace. Now that is where the meditation works. Now as you're doing this, that's you know what we need to do to learn how to endure. The reason why we don't endure, the reason why we don't sit long enough, the reason why we sit and oh, I'm getting nowhere, where do you want to get? Meditation is not about getting somewhere, it's about being here. Meditation is not achieving things. As Ajahn Chah would also say, We meditate to let go, not to achieve. Those throwaway lines which Ajahn Chah said, that's all you need to do for the next week. If you just meditate thinking, I'm meditating to let go, not to achieve something. That should work and get you into bliss. If you just practice the simple stuff. But I've got to fill 45 minutes up somehow, so I'm going to carry on going. (laughs) Otherwise, people get upset. So anyway, just when you don't want to achieve something, you just want to let go. But let go of what? Let go of that thing inside which wants, which wants to control, which wants to change, which judges. This is a good meditation, that's a bad one. I feel crappy. I feel terrible. What am I up here for? God, I've got another seven, no, how many more weeks? Another 11 weeks of this? Oh God. (laughs) Bring on the end of the race retreat. I jump on, please give me a project. Please give me something to do. <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. You can see what happens there. And so to overcome that, you're going to have difficulties. You're not even the best meditators in this monastery won't always be able to have nimiters every meditation. You have to go through stuff. So how you go through that stuff is just bear with it, with making peace, being kind, being gentle, bear with it just noticing how you're reacting to these unpleasant beginning parts of meditation. But of course there are some, you know, it's easy, that, this, that's the best, that's the essence of meditation I've just been teaching. But sometimes it sounds so easy, but people keep forgetting, they don't get it. So sometimes you have to give them a few extra little sweets to satisfy them. And so one of those little sweets is, you know, trying to, Even give yourself a few minor goals at the very beginning. As I've often said, that sometimes you can put effort in, a little bit of effort and controlling and striving at the beginning of the meditation. It doesn't seem, it's not the best way, but it doesn't seem to disturb the meditation so much. It just panders to our old conditioning of just trying to get something and feeling good when we've done it. So just... (coughs) Now try to watch the breath. Just sit down and just say, you know, for five minutes I'm going to watch as many breaths as I possibly can. Or even count them. Whatever it is, Just basically force your mind, your attention on the breath. Okay, that's going against everything I've said. But it's just a, almost like a, a a crutch for the time being until you're strong enough. But what it does, it does actually train the mind to start watching the breath. And as I was saying to someone earlier, when you are watching the breath, you know, just feel the breath. Because one of the ways to overcome just the mind always getting involved in think, thinking, 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 thought, 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 is to get into the, you know, the feelings. Which is why for those people who haven't really got really deep into the sitting meditation, please use your walking meditation paths. The weather has gotten a little bit warmer since the rain came. So it's not so chilly in the early morning. No more one or two degrees in the early morning. And the afternoon, some of these afternoons are just beautiful weather. It's just like summertime in sort of Finland or wherever. (laughs) (laughs) It's gorgeous. (laughs) Not that saying very much, but I think you know what I mean. So you've got beautiful weather. So get out on the walking meditation path. And as you're in the walking meditation path, going out into the sunshine gives you a boost of energy. It's just the nature of the body. When things are bright and the sun is out, and it does actually energize the mind. If you're in the, my cave all the time, if I don't have good meditation, it's dark, it's dark, you do get sort of low energies. It's just nature, that's all. So go out into the bright sunshine, you get a boost of happiness, a boost of energy nature of the the brain to do that so you get out and do some walking meditation and you get into feeling bodily sensations because the bodily sensations uh, are very helpful at the beginning part of the meditation if you're feeling the body you cannot be thinking so much so you feel the heat on your skin if it is raining get out and get wet feel the water in your hair or on your face. Get out there and just be with those physical feelings. If you're walking meditation, please for goodness sake, take all your socks and shoes off. You know, just feel the path underneath you. Feel what the sensation of concrete under the feet are, or whether it's <coughs> the gravel, or whether it's the wood of the walking meditation paths. Really get into feeling the senses of the feet touching the warm or the cold concrete. (coughs) Now, does it feel different? What is the feel of concrete against the soles of your feet? How is it different than the feeling of wood or the feeling of carpet? Get really to be sensitive to those feelings in the feet and the feelings of walking. You know, like a dancer can actually be so aware of every little muscle in the legs. It really starts getting you um, in the present moment aware and out of the thinking mind. You're into the real world of experience. And the nice thing about that is you it's not that hard to do. Yeah, when you sit down, many of you just, you know, you're not quite sure what you're supposed to be doing. You might fall asleep, fantasize, start planning or whatever. But when you're out there walking... You know, it's a bit more exercise for the body. You get into those physical feelings, you start to become sensitive, which means that when you do go and sit down, you can be feeling and be sensitive to your breathing. You know, the breath is a physical sensation. Same as the feeling in the feet. But it's amazing just how many people, they just can't feel their feet. You know, they've never done that before. They wear socks and shoes, insulating, you know, the sensations in the feet from whatever's outside. And not only that, they insulate the whole body just with so many jumpers and scarves and woolly hats until, you know, they, they are totally removed from nature. Western Australia, this time of the year, it's quite okay. It's not too hot, it's not too cold. So you can actually start to feel the body instead of trying to, to insulate it from feelings. And they can be quite stimulating of the energy of the mind. Because you've got something you can feel, something you know, you know exactly where you are, and it's something which doesn't involve thinking and planning. The feelings in the body usually leave no residue remainder. It's just you know, it's in the present moment and that's it. Past and future don't really come into it. And you can't really name them, you can't think about them. So you're right there when you're feeling the body. So it's a very wonderful support for the meditation. So if your meditation sitting down is getting nowhere, please get out on your walking meditation path and walk. Walk in the early morning, walk in the afternoon especially, or at night time. Sometimes you get inspired at night time because it's just so quiet out there. And you just you can Im- almost imagine like I sometimes I do, and I'm this monk in this jungle hermitage, far away from anybody, and everyone else. You can't see another monk, another human being from my walking meditation path, and it's just like you're a hermit alone, just meditating, just feeling, just the body walking on this path, right in this moment, alone, peaceful, secluded. And get sort of inspiring yourself, and you get a lot of energy coming up. So, you're energizing the mind by the physical feelings, and you're stopping the thinking, and that also is giving you energy because you're not wasting gas. As I said to many people, you've got a certain amount of gas in the tank of your mind, and it's amazing how we waste that in thinking, in planning, and fantasizing, and doing stuff. No wonder you're dull. So the other hindrance I wanted to sort of talk about was <coughs> when people do start to get medit- uh, deep meditation and they get peaceful but not enough piti sukha. Yeah, they're still but no energy in the in the mind. Yeah, they're calm but there's, there's no feeling of bliss or happiness. They even get a nimitta, but it's not bright. And it's like one of the flashlights. My flashlight was running out of energy the other day so the bee wasn't, wasn't bright. I just, gave it to the attendant who put it into the recharger, and now it's really brilliant again. It's just like a simile of a limiter, To recharge, you know, that mind. Best way, of course, is just to wait. It will recharge by itself after a while. But in the meantime, you can actually do sort of other practices. Service, as I kept on saying a couple of weeks ago, giving for others. And after you've given, Don't just take it for granted. Recall it. Feel what you have done and the consequences of what you have done. I know that some people do something bad. They think it's bad and they think about, oh, the consequences of what they've done. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I've hurt this person. I've caused trouble for somebody else. And you're very good at being guilty, but you're hopeless about feeling proud and all the wonderful things you've done, and using that to create energy in your, your mind. So if you could only be as clever and as, as obsessed you know, with all your good qualities as you are with your bad ones, you'd be you know, in jhanas by now. So please be obsessive about your goodness, your kindness, your service. Really get into it. Feel good. About yourself, energize yourself, inspire yourself, and that gives you this beautiful, pure boost of energy. If that, <laughs> if that doesn't work, again, I, I, I just uh, missed the the thread a little bit here. Put a little bit of effort into the beginning. Just you know, just watching the breath, forcing yourself onto the breath, because sometimes that just gives a bit more energy. One of the other teachers I haven't given for years, because you know, I usually prefer the the purer method of meditation. Sometimes when people are getting to a deeper type of meditation, they're watching the breath and the nimitta comes up, but it's dull nimitta. Some of the things which I used to do was to hold my mind on the breath to stop it going any further. And it was a little bit of force, a bit of restraint. Because I compared it to, yeah, I've got to build up a bit more energy on my breathing before I let it go onto the, onto the nimiter. And I gave that simile of having those toy cars as a kid. And the toy cars had these little gears inside of them. So you, you held them and you, uh, you ran them against the floor one, two, three times until the gears inside went faster and faster and faster and faster. And having, uh, Drawn it against the floor four, five, six, seven, eight times. Then you let it go and it ran right across the room. It had energy. I think that's sometimes what uh, I said with uh, watching the breath. Stay with the breath. Restrain it. Don't let it go. I'm saying, don't let go, but I'm doing this on purpose. Don't let it go onto the nimitta yet or into sort of uh, dullness yet. Keep the attention on the breath forcing it even on the breath, that builds up a bit of momentum and energy. So when you do let it go, you do let the breath go, then you've got some power, some energy to get into the deeper meditations. If you don't have that energy when you let go of the breath, or when the breath disappears, you do go into this dull state, which is okay. But you do need a bit more oomph to it to get the nimittas coming up and to go to the next stages. So because of that, it's great to get some more energy in the very beginning. So this is how we do energize our brain and our mind. You know, just more walking meditation, service and remembering the service, less negativity. Every time you find fault with somebody else, again, the amount of gas you've got, you're just wasting it. Every time you go into a fantasy, again, you're wasting the gas. Every time that you start fighting something, you're wasting it. This is a problem here which means that the meditations are dull, they're not happy. And I remember sometimes, you know, that sometimes people would give us a really nice strong cup of coffee in Thailand. This was the days when you wouldn't see a cup of coffee for six months. And someone would give you a really good strong cup of coffee, and your meditation was brilliant afterwards. Just a boost of energy, that's all it really was. Now here we have so much coffee every day, so much tea, as much as we ever want. So you know that that doesn't work over here, so here you know what does work you know is when you give you a boost of something which is a bit more pure energy, and that is things like inspiration inspiration is very great because if ever, you ever know get too much meditation, you get a bit <coughs> a bit dull. get out a copy of the Majima or the Angutta or something, just read a Sutta. inspire yourself. A lot of times you don't need much, just one teaching of the Buddha, and you read out, wow, especially at this time of the year, because at this time of the year, the mind is more inclined to the Dharma. It's not so taken up with all the other stuff which we have to do. It is more sensitive to the Dharma, and so a sutta which you read during the rest of the year, which didn't really hit you, you read it this time of the year, and it really gets into you. You think, wow, I mean, that's incredible, and it inspires you. So if you do have some of your favorite suttas, this time of the year, you'll find they are more powerful. So if you're very dull, don't keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. Get out a sutta, read it, and see if that just gets you really going. And if it really does, you can sit down there, and my goodness, you get some great meditations. Very easy. So these are ways of overcoming the hindrances at this part of the retreat. Keep on going. Don't give up. Do some more physical meditations like walking meditations to get you to be aware of the feelings in the body so when you go on to the meditation, especially on the breath, it's a feeling, you become sensitive to feelings, you're not so much in your head, you're a feeling person. That You can feel the food more, you can taste it more, you can feel the body more, you can feel the heat, the cold more. So don't be someone who just you know, covers themselves up like in a in a sp- base suit, not sort of being sensitive to the world outside, be sensitive, it doesn't hurt that much, and then you're more alive, more awake, create more sort of energy and happiness in the meditation, and then when the meditation is tough, enjoy with, be kind, make peace, be gentle, any sort of negativity comes up, the uh, demon in the Empress palace, and this is actually how the mind becomes really, really peaceful. Have faith. This does work. I've been a teacher for a long time. It does work as long as you follow the path. The Eightfold Path, it leads to Nibbana. The only way it leads, keep on practicing that, following that, and it's only a matter of time. And hopefully during this retreat, as the weeks go past, you remember these teachings, you put them into practice, you find they work. When you want something, you're creating suffering. When you let go of wanting, you're creating peace. The cause of nibbana, meditation starts to work, and some of you have never had a good meditation in your life. You'll have your first really deep, beautiful meditations. it works. So that's a talk for this evening. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, uh...